If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Will you pray with me? How do we pray this morning, Holy One? Let us count the ways. Carefully, We pray very carefully, carrying the words as if they are breakable, gently placing one in front of the other, paying close attention not to get anything out of order. We pray irrationally, the words tumbling out, crashing into and over one another, prayers that are stream of consciousness, run-on sentences, cries of the heart, desperate and earnest. Some of us are praying for magic. We are begging for a miracle. We are told those things still happen. And quite frankly, all of us could use a miracle or two, whether we believe in them or not. We pray as we walk, as we wash dishes, as we make the bed, as we fold the laundry. We pray as we scroll down the page, hoping there's still one opening for a vaccination time slot left. We pray as we slow to a stop at the intersection and then pull away, wondering if we should have rolled down the window to at least share a word, if not a dollar. We pray as we sit, as we wait, as we watch, as we hope, We pray as we click the refresh button for the 15th time on the election board website. Some of us pray on our knees, worn and tired, too tired to stand up, imagining that if we make ourselves smaller, our troubles will not think us important enough to bother with. And some of us pray standing up, back straight, arms lifted, full-throated petitions, wondering if it will be a little easier to see and hear us that way. Hear our prayers, O God, for we have much to say, and then we'll let you take a turn, for we have much to hear. Amen. Our sermon this morning comes from the Reverend C.C. Jones Davis, an ordained minister, speaker, singer, social advocate, and entrepreneur from rural Virginia. She is a graduate of Howard University, Yale Divinity School, 
and the Yale Institute of Sacred Music, Worship, and the Arts, and is also a member of the inaugural class of Princeton's Black Theology Leadership Institute. Working at the intersections of faith and justice, she is passionate about seeing God's kingdom come in the areas of racial healing, women and girls issues, and criminal justice reform. Cece was awarded the 2019 Phil Wall Abolitionist of the Year Award by the Oklahoma Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty, and a special congressional recognition for her efforts in civil rights and social justice. Her work in menstrual equity spaces is featured in such media outlets as Huffington Post, Essence.com, Self Magazine, Yahoo Health, Teen Vogue, and many more. As a brand ambassador for the Tampax Radiant campaign, Cece specifically focuses on menstrual health issues related to women of color. As an artist, Cece's voice has been shared across the country and featured on Stephen Hurd's The Overflow and Times of Refreshing, as well as Grace Covenant worship albums. Her singles, Dreams and Your Love is Deep, are on all digital outlets. Cece is the sole proprietor of Cece Jones Davis LLC, a certified minority-owned enterprise specializing in strategic consulting services. She also leads Sing for Change, a 501c3 organization dedicated to her family's philanthropic endeavors. Cece serves on the Yale Divinity Alumni Board and as a member of the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research. She is a proud member of the first black sorority in the United States, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Reverend Jones Davis, it is an honor for us to hear you preach. Our hearts and minds are open and we are ready to learn from you. Well, good morning. I am so thrilled to be with you today, Mayflower. I want to especially thank my sister in ministry, Reverend Lori, for this amazing invitation to be with all of you today. Um, let me say this. It has been a really, really challenging week. As a person who's living uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., as a person whose sister is a, a federal law enforcement agent, this has been a really, really challenging week. And I'm sure that those sentiments are shared by so many of you listening this morning, participating and worshiping with us today. There have uh, been riots that have overtaken the U.S. Capitol. There's been one woman killed as a result. Uh, federal property has been destroyed. And you know, our ideas around American exceptionalism are yet again brought back into question, not just for us and by us, but for and by our neighbors all around this world. And so I know that so many of our hearts are hurting. I know that so many of us are um, confused about what all is happening right now before us. But this morning, as we um, begin to go into a brand new week, I am here to tell you that you are loved, that you are accepted, that even though we are confused, God is not confused. 
that there is still something today from the word of God that can be water for our souls. And today I'm really hoping that we can delve in to this word that I believe um, I should be sharing today. And our sermon title is Remembering That Justice is Biblical. Remembering That Justice is Biblical. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Eternal and all-wise God, you are our help in ages past and our hope in years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. God, it is in you that we live and move and have our very beings. And it's, it is to you that we look today, we trust and rely, even with our fears, our questions, the things that confuse us, God, we, we look to you today. And so God, now, may the words of, of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, you are our strength. You are our redeemer. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we have prayed. Amen. Justice is what love looks like in public. This quote by Dr. Cornell West, who is the professor of the practice of public philosophy at Harvard, has become a mantra for so many of us who really try to engage in the work of justice in various aspects of the world and our society. Justice is what love looks like in public. This quote encompasses what I believe is best about humanity and what I believe is surely at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have the ability to love our neighbors well when we love our neighbors out loud. Now, I understand that the word justice has somehow become a controversial term, a loaded word, a word that has been monopolized and polarizing, a word that has become politicized, a word that so many people feel is too complicated to engage. A word that many feel is too hard to imagine, too complex to navigate. But when I think about justice and when I try to do justice in this world, I, I go to what I believe is the true compass. I go to what I believe is the true origin of what justice is all about. I go to the scripture. And I recall that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God revealed to us through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, has a lot to say about justice. I believe God has best defined the word and then invited us and continues to invite us to engage in what love looks like in public. 
From a biblical standpoint, the words justice and righteousness are the same. Justice simply means to make things right. And from that point of view, justice simply means, right, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to make things right. What would be right for us? What would be right for us then could also be true to be right for our neighbors. Clean water, clean water is right for us. Clean water could be okay for our neighbors if, if heating in our homes is okay and right for us. Heating for our neighbors, protection from the elements could be okay for our neighbors if, if food is what's right for us. And food can be all right for our neighbors. It simply means that we work to make things right for the things that we see that are wrong around us. That we do right by the ones who scripture says are on God's mind the most. Who's that? The vulnerable, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed, the incarcerated. And while those words seem really simple, if it were simple, it would already be done. If it was simple, we wouldn't fight about it. If it was simple, these things would be not even something we would need to have a conversation about, right? So how do we make things right? How can we make things right in a world that cannot even agree on what right is? How can we make things right when it feels like so many things are wrong? I believe that we can make things right or at least help to make things right doing justice by doing as much good for as many people for as long as we live and doing that good together. But engaging this idea of biblical justice, remembering that justice is biblical, requires a deep willingness and commitment to living out the examples that we find in the scripture. I believe to try to really live, to seek biblical justice, to remember that justice is God's idea, we must learn to do three things. We must learn to prayerfully prophesy. We must learn to persistently promote. And we must learn the power of proximity to prophesy. The prophets Amos and Micah were called by God to interpret the will of God to the people of Israel, to interpret the will of God to a people whose lives had been overwhelmed by arrogance and idolatry, self-righteousness, materialism. Sound familiar? A people who had forgotten that the word of God had, had already been spoken to Micah in chapter 6, verse 8, for what does the Lord, you all know it, what does it say? For what does the Lord require but to do justice, 
love mercy and walk humbly with our God. These were a people who had become so enamored with themselves, so enamored with their ways of life that they had forgotten their God-given responsibility to their neighbor, especially their vulnerable neighbors, especially their poor neighbors, especially their voiceless neighbors. God says to them in Amos chapter five, I can't stand your religious maidens. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects your pretentious slogans and your goals. I'm sick of your fundraising, your public relations and your image making. I've had all that I can take, he says, of your noisy ego music. When was the last time, God says, you sang to me? Do you know what I want? God says, I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all that I want. To do justice or to make things right, we must be willing to prayerfully prophesy. What does that mean? It means we must be willing to be spokespersons for the right thing. Prophesying is not about predicting the future. Prophesying is about discerning the present. Prophesying is about having the courage to lend our voices to help the people around us become more aware of how we as a collective body are falling short of our God-given responsibilities. Our God-given responsibilities to care about our neighbors, and anybody, this is good news, anybody can be prophetic. You don't have to be Amos, you don't have to be Micah, you don't have to be John the Baptist, you don't have to be Jesus. You just have to have a little courage. You just have to have a little courage to lift your voice and to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Courage with a voice that is informed and inspired by the word of God. Courage and a voice that, that has been bathed in prayer. Courage and a voice that has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the right thing. To do the right thing. To do justice, we must be willing to prophesy, to speak to the issues. Also, to do justice or make things right, we also must be willing to persistently promote the value of every human being. Persistently promote the value of every human being means to further the progress of those who lack what we have, those who lack the resources, the social capital, the education, the right zip code, the fancy clothes, the family background, the financial stat status. We promote their value. We affirm that they too are made in the image of God, that they too are loved by God. By sharing something that we have, 
with those who don't have what we have. We affirm that yes, our neighbors, our poor neighbors, our female neighbors, our neighbors of color, our neighbors of different religions are made of the same divinity and dirt that we are made of when we do to them what we would have done to ourselves. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray in Luke chapter 11, after he teaches them, of course, the Lord's prayer, he says to them, he says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to give him. And suppose the one on the inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, even though he did not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need, persistently promoting. This passage always reminds me of my mother. My mother is the most, one of the most justice-oriented people I know, and she doesn't even know those words. She wouldn't call herself that. She would just say she's a good old-fashioned missionary, right? But she is the person that if somebody's house burns down or if someone, you know, falls on a hard time, my mother is the one in the community that makes it her business, whether she knows them or not, to find them a kitchen table. She's the one that you don't want to see at your doorstep because she's coming to knock and she's going to say, Mary, Last summer, I was at your house, and I know you have an extra sofa in your basement. Sally's house burned down, and so now Sally needs that sofa. I'm going to need you to give me that sofa for Sally. That's my mother. And she, whether that's a sofa or a scholarship for a kid or a ride to the doctor's office, she doesn't need those things for herself, but... Y'all, the way that she chases those things down, the way that she chases those things down for someone else that's on a journey themselves, you would think that she's knocking because she's hungry. You would think that she's calling because she's in need. And that is the kind of knocking, knocking with holy abandon, She's not knocking for herself. She's knocking for someone else. And we have to have a commitment if we want to be people that do justice like God wants us to do justice. We have to have be the kind of people that have a holy abandon toward knocking when it comes to the needs of other people. And I think that what my mom has shown me all these years it's such, um, it's such an example, right, of such an example of someone dedicated to justice, to someone who is so dedicated to persistently promoting the value of every human being. That church of God is the kind of knocking that we have to do the kind of knocking that knocks until the needs are met, the kind of knocking that um, doesn't 
doesn't care, abandons our, our own comfort and, and goes out even at strange hours, even in strange circumstances, right? For the sake of other people. Because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And if Jesus is an advocate, then we are advocates. Jesus stands between the haves and the have-nots. Does he not? Jesus commands an economy that keeps the vulnerable in mind, remembering that, that justice is not something that the left came up with or the right came up with or anybody in this earth came up with, remembering that justice is God's idea is about advocating for those, those needs of our neighbors to do biblical justice. We must understand the power of proximity. Attorney Brian Stevenson, uh, many of you are familiar with his work. He's the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama. He's also the author of the book, Just Mercy, and the subject for the movie, Just Mercy. This is what he says in his book about proximity. He says, proximity has taught me some basic and humbling truths, including this vital lesson. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. My work with the poor and the incarcerated has persuaded me that the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice. He believes, and I believe, that to do biblical justice, real justice, we must get proximate to the suffering. We must get close in order to understand the nuanced experiences of those who are suffering around us, of those who are experiencing inequality. Brian Stevenson believes, and I believe, that if we are willing to get closer to people who are suffering, we will find power to actually change the world. And isn't it proximity what makes biblical justice even possible? That we have the ultimate example of proximity that has set by Jesus Christ himself, who came as the word, became the word, became flesh, and made his dwelling among us proximity. We have seen, the Bible says, his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That grace, that truth became proximate to me in my suffering, that grace, that truth became proximate to you in your suffering, in your relationship with one another. The Bible says to have the same mindset of Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for himself for his own, adva own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, but took on the very nature of a servant, made in human likeness, took on the appearance of a man and humbled himself even unto death. That is the power of proximity. That is the power of getting close, of coming down. And this proximity that Christ chose with us is what makes biblical justice possible for the rest of us. It empowers us then 
with the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It empowers us to then now make things right. Because when we get close, when we get really close to other people's experiences, it's harder to reject people, isn't it? When we hear people's stories, when we find friends, when we relate to people, when we have dinner with people, when we really hear heart to heart from people, it's hard to just think of people in terms of statistics and numbers, isn't it? Proximity really does help us see ourselves better. It helps us to become less judgmental people. It helps us to put ourselves in somebody else's situation or condition. And it really does, proximity helps to simplify our mission as the church. If what I see, for example, if what I see in my neighbor, I could not accept for myself. If what I see, I cannot accept as a condition for my own children, then how and why could I accept it for my neighbor who, whose name I know, whose children my children play with, whose church I go to, whose neighborhood I live in, who I have dinner with sometimes, how if they're suffering in a way that that I can help, how, how do I not help? It's the power of proximity. In closing, Jesus says, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, justice, righteousness and justice, for they will be filled. My prayer today, as we embark upon a brand new year, is that the church of Jesus Christ would hunger and thirst for justice in a way that we never have before, that we would all together prophesy, that we would all together persistently promote the value of every human being, and that we would learn to live in proximity with our neighbors who are suffering in ways that maybe we are not. I truly believe that biblical justice is what love looks like. Let's pray. So God, um, we pray that you would take this word and divide it among us and allow it to be nourishment for each and every soul. We pray that as we embark upon a brand new year, that we would have a brand new commitment, a brand new vision, a brand new outlook on what it is to remember that justice is not something we made up, that justice is something that is in your heart. It's a part of who you are. Justice is your commitment. And so God help it to be our commitment. Lord, we lift up those um, around this country who are hurting from COVID-19, um, hurting because of racial injustice, hurting because of mass incarceration, hurting because um, they lost their jobs or loved ones in some ways. Lord, we lift, we lift all of us up. We ask God for 
deeper measures of mercy and grace, deeper measures of your truth. As we embark upon this new year, Lord, would you, would you help our government? Would you help our public officials? Um, would you help us to move toward this healing, just move toward healing in this new season? Lord, I thank you for this great congregation. I thank you for Pastor Lori, and I ask that you would bless them, inspire them, embolden them, encourage them like never before to do justice. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.